Welcome to Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. I'm Brian Sussman. Coming up in this episode, to life. Alabama goes where no state has gone in modern times, outlawing abortion with severe penalties, including 99 years in prison for doctors who dare violate this law. One of the two Muslim congresswomen has made another asinine claim, this time that her people provided a safe haven for Jews in Palestine. What's the truth? What are the facts? You'll find out on Hidden Headlines. The crisis at the border. More disturbing figures and statistics are in, and the Democrats in Congress contend there is no crisis? Like to dine out? Politicians in California are shooting for attacks on restaurant diners in the name of global warming. I'll clue you in. And universal basic income. Virtually every Democrat presidential candidate is touting it. It's free money for everyone. But what's the theory behind this universal giveaway? It's all ahead on Hidden Headlines, digging into the news and sharing the views that I just don't have time to unleash on my KSFO radio show I'm Brian Sussman. Thanks for joining me. In the Jewish tradition, we have a wonderful, ancient, upbeat saying that's repeated in times of great joy. It's l'chaim. Generally, it's translated to life, but literally l'chaim means for life. And so to the governor of Alabama, Kay Ivey, I shout l'chaim. The governor has signed a near total abortion ban putting in place one of the nation's most restrictive laws on this gruesome procedure. When signing the bill into law, she said to the bill's many supporters, this legislation stands as a powerful testament to Alabamians' deep-held belief that every life is precious and that every life is a sacred gift from God. So the new law will make it a felony for a doctor to perform an abortion at any stage of pregnancy, any stage of pregnancy, punishable to by up to 99 years in prison. The only exception would be when the woman's health is at serious risk. Abortion rights supporters, of course, have vowed to fight the measure. If not, this law would take effect in November. So Alabama is the fifth state this year to enact laws banning abortions in about six weeks of gestation. But this is the most restrictive outright ban because most of the others allow for an abortion up until a heartbeat is detected in the womb. Recent Fox poll says more people are in favor of eliminating Roe v. Wade as opposed to keeping it as the law of the land. Doesn't surprise me. And I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to hear about this. And I always like to stop this down because I know there will be critics listening to this podcast saying, yeah, what about you, hotshot? What are you doing? Anybody could talk about pro-life. What have you done? Well, I know many of you listening have done a lot. Uh, what I've done, my wife and I, uh, we adopted three kids. That was the best we could do. We adopted three kids, and then I co-founded an organization called Brian's Kids, which helps see the adoptions of hundreds of kids from foster care in the 90s. So that's, that's what I did. And I always like to say this, if you're one who has had an abortion, there is a God in heaven who can forgive you and will forgive you. All you have to do is ask. Next story has to do with the Michigan congresswoman who's a member of the religion of peace. We have two of these uh, types in the Congress these days. Uh, 
This is Michigan Congresswoman Rashida Talib, and she's made another shocking and ignorant claim. Talking about the Holocaust. She was on a podcast and said this, I'll quote. There's always kind of a calming feeling, I tell folks, when I think of the Holocaust. A calming, uh, this is me talking now, a calming feeling. A calming feeling. You know, when I talk about the Holocaust or think about the Holocaust, my stomach gets tied up in knots. She continues, and the fact that it was my ancestors, Palestinians, who lost their land, and some lost their lives, their livelihood, their human dignity, their existence in many ways, have been wiped out, and some people's passports, and just all of it was in the name of trying to create a safe haven for Jews, post the Holocaust, post the tragedy, and the horrific persecution of Jews across the world at that time. And I love the fact that it was my ancestors that provided that right, in many ways, but they did it in a way that took their human dignity away and it was forced on them. This is such, you know, I have to just hold my tongue here. She's, she's, tr- she's wearing so many hats as she's saying this. On the one hand, she says that her people created a safe haven for the Jews. That's not true. I'll get to that in just a moment. She's trying to make it sound as if the Palestinians were right there with their Semitic brothers saying, we're, we're helping you. We're here, we're here to rescue you. We're going to keep you safe. But then at the same time, as she says, we helped them. We provided escape for them. We provided dignity for them. She goes on to say that we did it at the cost of our own dignity. And then she says at the very end, and it was forced on them, her ancestors, the Palestinians. Listen, I don't know what... I think at the end of the day, this woman is trying to cover up her own heart and her own feelings regarding Jewish people because she is a member of the religion of peace and they are not fond of the Jewish people, never have been. Uh, Her last line reveals her twisted heart. Apparently her ancestors, you know, meaning her Islamic cousins were somehow forced to behave in a beloved benevolent fashion towards the persecuted Jews. That, that flies in the face of the history. Let me just walk you through this on Hidden Headlines. This is the kind of stuff I don't have time to do on my radio show. The, the Jewish presence in this area, currently known as Israel, dates back thousands of years. Thousands of years. Go all the way back to the Bible. Hello. Before there was ever a Palestinian, before there was ever a Muslim. Islam didn't come around until, what, the 7th century? The Jewish presence in the area, current known as Israel, dates back a long time. And the modern migration of Jews to Israel predated the Holocaust by many decades. That started in the 1880s. Jews moving back to the homeland and buying property at top dollar from the Arabs. That's one fact. Second fact, the Balfour Declaration of 1917, drafted by the British government supported the establishment of a Jewish state in the area. Again, this is 1917. But the idea was flatly rejected by Arabs. 1937, the British Peel Commission proposed a two-state solution. So Jews would have one state, Arabs would have another. The Arabs again rejected that one. That was 1937. 
And then during World War II, the supreme Palestinian leader, the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, met with Adolf Hitler. I'm not making this up. This isn't rumor. This isn't uh, legend. There are photographs of this. And he allied his people with the Nazis. And young men of the Islamic faith were recruited for service in the German military. Then after World War II, when the Jewish people declared the state of Israel their official home, a proclamation stated, quote, We appeal in the very midst of the onslaught launched against us now for months to the Arab inhabitants of the state of Israel to preserve peace and participate in the upbuilding of the state on the basis of full and equal citizenship and due representation in all its provisional and permanent institutions. You know how the Arab leaders responded to that? I mean, that was, the Jews said, we, we have been given the opportunity to have our own state and we want you, Arabs, Muslims, to participate in this state with us as full citizens. You'll have due representation. And Arab leaders encouraged the Arabs to immediately flee Israel, and thousands did. And the very next day, Israel was attacked by Egypt, Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, and Iraq. So everything that this Muslim congresswoman from Michigan is saying is absolutely false. And Nancy Pelosi, you should censor this fanatic. And if not, any Jew or authentic Christian who continues to vote Democrat is committing political suicide. So we move on from that to this, the crisis at the border, which is another kind of cultural suicide. Uh, the liberals contend there's no crisis. Listen to these numbers. ICE has already released 168,000 immigrant families into the United States this fiscal year, which began October 1st. 168,000. Further troubling, a, a staggering 87% of released families are skipping their court hearings. 87%. Nearly 110,000 were nabbed at the southwest border in April. 110,000. And then the number of illegal immigrants traveling as families, 62,000 in April alone. And the problem is we can't prove that they're families or not. And when we do uh, sequester these, these families, house them, detain them, you can only do so for 20 days because of the law. Then you have to release them. Just set them free. Set them free. That's what we do. We set them free. Uh, then we have the other st troubling statistic that came in. A staggering 1% of the populations of Guatemala and Honduras have made the journey to the United States in just the past seven months. And Richard Durbin, senator from Illinois, says, oh, this is not a, an illegal immigrant immigration problem. It's a U.S. drug problem. Oh, great. Yeah, U.S. drug problem. Let me give you a couple more statistics. Texas border agents say there are 5,500 migrants a day illegally entering the United States. That's, that's a brand new stat just out prior to going on the air with hidden headlines. And what are we doing? We're catching and releasing. Apprehensions have soared 582% to levels not seen in 20 years. In South Texas, border agents in the last several days have apprehended 229 migrants an hour on the average. That's 5,500 a day.
Those are just the ones we've caught, friends. Those are just the ones we've caught. And what happens when we catch them? We can hold them for 20 days, vet them for 20 days, and after that, as you just heard, they are set free and only 87% show up for their court date. That's it. That is, if that's not a crisis, now I continue. Otherwise, I will lose my, my, my mind, and I don't want you to tune out as we continue on Hidden Headlines. Here we go. A new state environmental program in California. Well, the problem with all of these environmental programs in California, if they are deemed successful by the powers that be, uh, by the powers that be out here, they, they come to your state. So this is a new statewide program. It's starting, of course, as a volunteer effort. What they do is they try shame these businesses into doing this. And then before you know it, all the businesses do it because, well, you just got to because if you want to be politically correct and all, so they're going to shame these restaurants into an extra charge so that customers can offset their carbon footprint. You know, the carbon footprint involved in going out to eat. Cue the laugh track, friends. It's called the Restore California Renewable Restaurants Program. It's asking participating eateries to add a 1% increase to the customers' bills. The money will then go to farms that participate in the Healthy Soils Program which supports sustainable farming practices in California. And these are sustainable farming practices that in many cases wouldn't be, couldn't be accomplished without some type of government subsidy. Many of you listening are farmers. Many of you listening have worked farms or some just know that industry. The margins are so small. And if you get involved in these kooky carbon offset programs... Your food's going to be so expensive. Nobody's going to want to buy it, especially at a restaurant. So, of course, this voluntary program is attracting media attention, which is just what the uh, the people that came up with this idea want, because if they can get the media attention, they can shame the restaurants into wanting to do this. Restore California. So the money raised will be distributed to farms participating in the Department of Food and Agriculture's Healthy Soils Program. That's what they want to do. And a restaurant's carbon footprint includes all greenhouse gases, carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide, created in the production and transportation of food to customers' plates, as well as energy use. The amount varies by restaurant, and it's also going to, well, it varies by restaurant and varies by what you just ordered. But I'm looking here at a 2015 study which found Mission Chinese food in San Francisco. They were able to be studied. They produced about 600 metric tons of carbon dioxide annually. Extra money from the surcharge is going to be given to help offset uh, these carbon, these greenhouse, uh, these carbon footprints. This is interesting. Compare Restore California's 1% surcharge to the attitude some people have when the plate or basket is placed, or I should say is passed from pew to pew in a church. The mindset oftentimes is pay up and you're absolved for the sin of your environmental, or well, in this particular case, your, your sinful ways. But in this case, it's going to be pay up and you're absolved for the sin of environmental gluttony. 
you know, you get your tab at the end of the day. Well, there's the 1% surcharge. Yeah, 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 I get it. You know, I just, if I meet now and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing well, yeah, I'll pay it. You're being absolved for your environmental gluttony. You know what the kicker is? I'm going to talk about this next week on Hidden Headlines in great detail. Carbon dioxide, you know, this chief pollutant, as far as the left is concerned, the environmentalists, it's an essential atmospheric gas. It's, it's not a poison. We can't live without it. It's no more a poison than, than water is. And greater the concentrations, the more plants f- flourish. So this is, this is a big deal. And plants love CO2. And it's been vilified as a pollutant. And next week on Hidden Headlines, I'm going to talk about this specifically. I'm going to be sharing some of the research that I conducted and many of the things that I wrote that went into my books, Climate Gate and Eco-Tyranny. I think you'll find it incredibly useful next week's Hidden Headlines, as well as very, very valuable. I think you're going to be enlightened and entertained by the whole thing because I've got some analogies that really cause one to pause, think, and then laugh out loud. Finally, on hidden headlines, you've heard most of these current Democratic presidential candidates tout the need for universal basic income, UBI. The question is, well, first of all, what is UBI? It's a, it's a free handout for everybody. Even those of you listening to this podcast, you're doing well. You'll get a free check in the mail. That's how they're going to be able to sell it. Because hey, if I get a check and the poor people get a check, oh, yeah, okay, it's good. Yeah, good. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. This is stupid. UBI is in keeping is, um, well, here, how about a question? Is UBI in keeping with Judeo-Christian values? Think about this. It's hidden headlines. Faith, family, freedom. We talk about those values. These are the values that shape the core foundation of this nation's worth ethic and economy. I think UBI flies in the face of that. I also think UBI flies in the face of what's good for society. Let me drill down. According to the New York Times, they did an article about this. Proponents of universal basic income believe that as computers perform more of our work, we'd all be free to become artists and scholars and entrepreneurs and otherwise engage our passions in society no longer centered on the drudgery of daily labor. Sounds like paradise, huh? Perhaps it's no wonder that this socialist-aligned economic system resonates so well with many millennials. Ooh, no more daily labor. Great. However, UBI should raise the eyebrows of those who value work as inherent good, just like <clears throat> the Bible does. Have you ever, we've all done this, how many times have you put in a hard day's work? A hard day's work. Maybe you're a desk jockey. You say, well, my work is more between the ears. Okay, well, could a computer do a lot of your stuff? I mean, geez, if we could farm that out to a computer, what, why, would sh- why should you be wasting your time? How about this? For those of you listening who are, you know, your, your contractors, you work with your hands, you work with your backs. Uh, what about that? I'm guessing there are some times, because I know how it is with me, when I'm working in the yard, I've got a nice big vegetable garden, raise probably thousands of pounds of, of vegetables every year. It's a year-round garden. On the, on the weekends when I'm out there, just working my butt off, sweating it out, I, I feel good. I, I, I feel energized. I'm exuberant. 
that, you know, work for some people is like that. They really love what they do. According to this Times article, listen to this. One basic assumption of UBI is that some forms of work are beneath the dignity of humans. So the writer cites a venture capitalist named Albert Wegner. Here's what Albert Wegner, the venture capitalist, says. I think it's a bad use of a human to spend 20 years of their life driving a truck back and forth across the United States. That's not what we aspire to do as humans. It's a bad use of a human brain. And automation and basic income is a development that will free us to do lots of incredible things that are more aligned with what it means to be human. Stop the press. You know something? There are some of you perhaps listening who do drive a truck and you find great joy in that for a variety of reasons besides the paycheck. There's the freedom. There's the independence. Look at what you get to see. You don't have a boss yelling down your in, into your ear. Uh, there could be a, a zillion reasons why you want to do this. The, the problem with these, these brainiacs and these do-gooders is they don't understand God created us to find personal value in work. And such work is often done best when it aligns with our gifts and our talents and our marketable skills. You can go back, if I may, to the beginning of Genesis. Humans are intended to work. Whether it's what is often referred to by theologians as the cultural mandate, Genesis 1.28, or the more specific command to tend the Garden of Eden, Genesis 2.15, in the biblical tradition, work is, is inseparable from the human condition. So driving a truck across the United States is not a waste of humanity. From a biblical standpoint, absolutely not. Because again, it may be for that trucker the best way to show his or her love for other people. You know, you're, you're, when you're driving a truck, you're serving. Look at all the goods in that truck. You're moving America, man. You're moving food and, and, and stuff that we need and stuff that we want and stuff that we like. You are serving others with that job. So that's a beautiful thing. You're, you're showing love for others and you're contributing to a healthy economy, not just your own economy, but the economy at large. There's another point that I make, and I have an article about this up at briansussman.com. In fact, all the stories that I've been talking about are there on the blog at briansussman.com. Certain people are gifted with the ability to use their minds in amazing ways to serve others. I mean, really, some people just have, I, they have stuff I can't do. You know, they can invent. I've got friends of mine that invent stuff. I, I, I don't know how they do it. How do they come up with these ideas? I have friends that start businesses. I couldn't do that. I have friends who are unbelievable computer, computer programmers. No idea how they do that. I've been an amateur musician my whole life, but I look at some of my friends who are pro musicians and my jaw drops. How in the world? Where do they come up with that? On the other hand, there are people made in the image of God whose vocational gifts tend towards craftsmanship and manual labor. And I look at you guys and I say, how do you do that? It's incredible. You're the guys I hire to do the stuff that I can't do because I want it done right. <laughs> And I want it done on time. And you guys are the very best. So it's wrong to devalue those gifts in comparison to others. And that's what's happening with this whole universal basic income. And, and what if the world does become completely automated, as many politicians and thinkers contend? Well, the answer is not to encourage people to simply subsist on handouts. Instead, 
the marketplace and human capital will create great opportunities for new vocational training, <clears throat> and I might add retraining, and naturally encourage individuals coming into the workforce to diversify their skill set. It's This is what happens throughout time. It's always happened. It, it will continue to happen. And when it comes to enriching our own coffers, you know, we humans inherently show our motivation to thrive and get very creative and ambitious, especially in a capitalistic system. There were experts back in the day who used Morse code. Those guys are gone. There were experts in the telegraph. Some people could do it so fast. Oh, my gosh. An entire industry on the telegraph. Those days are gone. When we start, first started phone communication, every phone call was generated not by the caller, but by an operator behind the scenes. Those days are gone. We keep moving forward with our technology, and there will be jobs, and people will adapt. Because engaging in meaningful work is a, a part of participating in humanity and enhancing the world around us. So who pays for basic income? Well, of course, the productive working taxpayers. One obvious problem with UBI, it will encourage slackers. Just like government welfare does, slacker, slacker nation. And eventually, such an economic system is fundamentally unsustainable. Where are you going to get all the taxpayers? And additionally, UBI encourages people not to find ways to add value to their communities and their own self-esteem. Because work adds economic value. And it also adds a deep relational value, uh, a relational value that's very, very difficult to replace. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Hidden headlines. Brian Sussman. By the way, next week, we're going to get into global warming and some of the statistics, the likes of which perhaps you've never heard before. Listen to next week's episode of Hidden Headlines, and you'll be an expert. In the meantime... Thanks for listening, my friends. Brian Sussman, Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. All of these stories and more at briansussman.com, plus ways to follow me, Facebook, Brian Sussman Show, Twitter, Brian underscore Sussman. And don't forget my radio show on KSFO mornings, 5 to 9 a.m., ksfo.com. Brian Sussman, signing off. <laughs>